James Gossip. We're down one co-host this week, actually, with uh, Jared Hesketh in Georgia for this week. But we do have a special guest for you. We have Jackson Flickinger with us to co-host with Kyle Hesketh. Jackson's been a regular contributor for our site for, what, two, three years now? Three years. Three years. So we have him on the entire show, and we also have, obviously, co-host Kyle Hesketh with us. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Doing good. All right. With that, let's, uh, so we always start these podcasts. We, uh, we break down the last slate of games this week and Jackson on our site, he's known for these, uh, lessons. It's what he does. It's what the Cavs teach us after each game. And so he'll, he should be able to give us almost detailed recaps if he can remember all of them. But we started the week with a 13 point win over Charlotte. We continued it with a five-point win over New Orleans, a 11-point win over Dallas, and a six-point win over Toronto. If you're listening, you probably realize that by now the Cavs have won nine of the last ten. They're really starting to click at the right time, and I think I wrote on that the other day, so you can check that out on our King James Gossip site, or King James Gospel site. So how do you guys, uh, what are your key takeaways from the last four games, or really just individual games? I'm going to step aside and let Jackson go ahead, since you are Mr. Takeaways, Mr. Lessons, which I read every single, after every single game, I read them all because they're great and they're awesome. So if you guys have not read them, make sure you read them all. Jackson, go ahead. I appreciate that. Um, from the Charlotte game, what I got just off the top of my head, um, basically that was one of those games where LeBron's like, I'm not going to let my team lose. He scored. That was a game he scored over 40 points, and the um, he had the road crowd cheering MVP, MVP, and that was he also tied Jordan for the most um, most games in a row with double digit digit scoring in Jordan's building. So I thought that was really cool. Um, besides LeBron just dominating, I don't I didn't remember anything that really stood out from that game. Um, they held Kemba under wraps for pretty much most of the game until about garbage time when he tied or I don't know, took the lead for the most points in Charlotte Hornets history, which I guess is cool if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, but you know, it's kind of weak. It's kind of weak because uh, their franchise hasn't been around too long. So I'm sure that tally isn't too high. Yeah. Well, he got it from uh, Del Curry, but so I don't know how it all works with um, Charlotte's history because, you know, the Hornets moved to New Orleans and they, you know, so like Chris Paul and stuff like that, that's not a part of the Charlotte Hornets history. I'm pretty sure that's just only counts Charlotte, like the Charlotte Bobcats, the present day Hornets and the previous Charlotte Hornets. So Del Curry was in the lead. And so, yeah, they haven't really had a storied history. So. Yeah, what I'm looking at, it doesn't have anything about Chris Paul. But my man, Emeka Okafor's top 10. Oh, good for him. And the Charlotte Charlotte Bobcats, where's um, Adam Morrison on that on that list? 
Uh, he may be on the uh, biggest busts of all time list. Him right alongside Anthony Bennett. Anthony, right. like Anthony Bennett, did people really even think he'd be that good? Like nobody was like, this guy's going to be. Man, who did like, they take over? Because I remember that that specific year, he was supposed to go number seven. And it was weird seeing a guy go from number seven to number one. But there wasn't like a clear cut Carl Anthony Towns first rounder. You know what I mean? Like this year, it's DeAndre Aiden, or it's like there's only three or four people it could be. Right. Well, I just remember it was weird because ESPN had like they have the intros and they show all the draft prospects and stuff, and they didn't even show Bennett as during any of like the highlight clips or anything like that. And I didn't even know who Bennett was. I thought he was, you know, off the radar. I wanted Victor Oladipo, but obviously the Cavs didn't because of Dion Waiters. But I wasn't really, I wasn't really a fan of, you know, Waiters and honestly Kyrie that draft that draft class was pretty bad. Outside of Giannis, they had Otto Porter, Victor Oladipo, Giannis, Rudy Gobert. I mean, I guess there's just these random players that you see picked under ten, but the top ten were not not very good. No, but anyways, back to back to this week. Like, yeah, I, been out I think day. the only uh, I think when I was watching the Charlotte game, I don't think I watched the entire thing, but I just remember J.R. Smith with a beautiful behind the back move, which usually doesn't work. Into, no. into the lane. He flicked it up. He made it. And he went on to have 19 points. And I was like, my favorite, one of my favorite J.R. Smith games because he actually looked aggressive, not just settling. And when he was aggressive, it was somehow efficient aggressiveness, which well, is something I'm not normal, normally seeing from J.R. either. Well, J.R., like, we all, we all know that J.R. has been bad this season, especially compared to, you know, 2016 and 2015. But he still has the ability to be like a microwave and just get hot, you know, in like a blink of an eye. And there's nobody on the bench besides, you know, Clarkson. You know, Corver has the ability to, to um, do that, but need to run sets for him and stuff. But JR can just create his own offense all on his own. So, like, I think that game kind of showed why it's important to keep giving JR minutes, even if it's, you know, in small doses just to see if he can kind of capture something because he still has worth, even though his numbers, if you were just looking at his numbers, you're like, this guy doesn't deserve any playing time over, you know, Cal Corver or anybody else. Yeah. And even like Chetty who shot over 50% from the field, you'd rather have him on the court if you're just looking at straight stats. Right. Well, I can't, well, I can't see Jetty being in the, um, in the playoff rotation at all. I mean, we kind of saw this yesterday where it was just in the game. Yeah, hold, that, where... hold that thought. We'll get we're okay. That's one of our main things this week is uh really going to, we have a 10 days till the be- the opening playoff series, or at least that's when the bulk of the game start. And we're really trying to get into the rotation later. So let's finish up these recaps. We beat Toronto, Dallas. We should have beat Dallas. We beat new Orleans. I'm pretty sure we held a deep, soundly without a ton of points. Right. I don't think he was the reason he was the reason they were close. I think I remember that game because Drew Holiday almost had the chance to tie it with like six seconds left, right? Or something I, like that. I believe that was the case. And then obviously we got to lock down that and then we beat Toronto 112-106. I think if you take this last slate of games in the full 
context, I think the only thing that the thing that's really impressed me is the defense, which has been something I don't think anybody has said all year. But we haven't we didn't allow 110 in the last four games, which we averaged 108 per 100 possessions. So that was pretty impressive. So what really caught your attention from all the games? Uh, just to specifically the um, Toronto game you're referring to? Well, any any of them. All four, Toronto. I think that Toronto is really the highlight of the game since we know we'll probably be facing them in the playoffs. So, yeah, either way. I mean, the Toronto game, what really stood out to me, and this is kind of what stood out the last time the Cavs played Toronto, is that they just simply don't have an answer for LeBron. Like, a lot of people want to, you know, break down – like Toronto's bench and, you know, how they match up against the Cavs bench or, you know, Lowry and DeRozan. But it's, you know, it simply just comes down to they can't stop LeBron. Like, they have a great team, but, you know, they're just – they just really don't – they just don't have what it takes to stop LeBron. And even Kevin Love, you know, like, Ibaka isn't the player he used to be. He, you know, Love feels comfortable with that matchup inside and outside. And, and, you know, we've seen over and over again, Valanciunas can't guard on the perimeter. You know, last year, Channing Fry just ate him up, you know, on the three-point line when he was in the game. Love did that um, when they met two weeks ago. Um, this game, he didn't really do as much because because Valentinus was more on Jeff Green. But, you know, the Cavs just have the ability to, you know, get Toronto out of their game. And it's just, I just don't see that being really a series at all, to be honest. You know, five games if five games if if you know Toronto can somehow pull out one at one at home, and I don't I don't really see that happening. But I I could have said the same thing in 2016 when they pushed they pushed the Cavs to six games, but I just don't see a, a, a performance like that unless unless LeBron goes through a um you know a slump because they don't really have the secondary scoring they used to have with Kyrie. But I don't know. It's just. I just don't see much there, and it really just boils down to LeBron, and they can't and they can't guard him. Yeah, no, that's definitely I definitely agree with that. Um, starting Jeff Green, I think, you know, I don't know, I don't really agree with it, but I feel like they're gonna go with starting Jeff Green in the in the playoffs, and they match up against Toronto. It was weird at the queue; they they announced Larry Nance as the starter, but it was actually Jeff Green. So that was kind of a last minute move I think to put him in the starting lineup but the goal is to have him start on DeRozan because he, he did a good job on DeRozan a couple weeks ago didn't really do as great of a job yesterday on DeRozan but I think the Cavs are kind of giving up someone the offensive end for someone the defensive end with that with that matchup uh, it's also interesting that they don't trust Hood to guard DeRozan so there was a lot of talk when we got Hood that you know, Hood's length and stuff could disrupt opposing teams, but it looks like the Cavs are kind of going away. You know, the Cavs kind of know that Hood's not a lockdown perimeter defender. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Because I don't think Hood played any significant minutes on guarding DeRozan primarily. So it was basically just, you know, Jeff Green and then J.R. Smith later in the game. So I think that has a lot to do with the fact that. Uh, the Cavs' defense is primarily based off of one-on-one assignments. 
Uh, there's not a lot of help going on. And I don't know if that's because they can't help or if Mike Longavardi not knowing how to properly make a defensive scheme where you can help drop, blitz. I hate blitzing, by the way. Hedge, whatever. I just don't think he knows how to coach the personnel that they have in order to have the correct type of help defense. Like I said, it's primarily one-on-one, and I don't know, I don't know if they trust, like you said, Rodney Hood, to guard DeMar DeRozan one-on-one. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure Ty takes over the defensive responsibilities in the playoffs, but yeah, I don't understand at all what they're doing, what they've been doing in the regular season, especially with the guys that they've had, you know, the blitzing and hedging over those screens. It's just, you know, a team that's, you know, started off the year as the oldest team in the league. You're blitzing and LeBron's not trying on defense, so you just give up open layups and open threes over and over again, and it's like this just a terrible system especially when you have kevin love starting it's like kevin love we like we all know kevin love isn't a good defender but why would you but they just kept putting him in situations to make him look worse like that's the worst type of defense to play with love and you know i agree and it's easy to hide love on defense it's not difficult if you have the right scheme because he even though he was not a great defender like you said there's still ways like minnesota was able to hide him because of the scheme. If you have a good coach that can have a good scheme, you can hide bad defensive players. Look at the Warriors and Steph Curry. Yeah. And it's not that Curry's necessarily a bad defensive player, but he's not as good. Like, I've heard comparisons that he's a top five defensive point guard in the league. Like, I've heard that, and I think it's because of how their schemes work to really benefit him defensively. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, it's not like Love's a horrible one-on-one defender. He holds his own in the post against um, post players and forwards and centers. It's really the guards that tear up him, tear him up. And it's, there's no guard in the NBA right now that will not be able to beat a center or a forward. Well, like it's, a, like just a, how, it's just how it's playing these days. Right. Like, I remember years ago in 2016, we talked about how great double T was at being able to switch on the guards. Guards are tearing him up left and right. He's no longer a great switchable player on guards. You can say what you can say it's because he's hurt or you can say it's because he's played so many games and he's been through all these playoff series and and whatnot, but it still doesn't change the fact that he's not playing well defensively. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Tristan's just Tristan's just been, you know, those guys who are undersized like Tristan is, you know, he's not a typical center, you know. He's small for the position. And when you just lose a step like that, you become, you know, your shelf life's just completely gone. And, you know, he doesn't really have a whole lot more to give at this point. We, we saw him play good this week a couple times. Like, I think he can still be, you know, good for 10 to 15 minutes, but you can't play him like 30 35 minutes like the Cavs were doing the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's clear. And we've talked about that before on the podcast as well. The problem with Tristan, and I've said this before, is he's never really developed uh, more more like off- an offensive game or he's never developed more of a fundamental defensive game or rebounding game. It's always been go get the ball, see ball, get ball, hustle plays. And once you get older and you start to your athleticism starts to diminish, you have to rely on fundamentals. Like, I remember in Minnesota, going back to what we talked about with Love, 
he was able to catch alley-oops and, and jump not high, but higher than he is now. But when you work on your fundamentals, like Love's a great fundamental rebounder because he's able to box out. I hardly ever see Tristan box out. He always gets outboxed like every time. Yeah. Another thing Tristan hasn't been able to do is we saw him working in, in um training camp this year. There's a bunch of videos of him shooting threes and trying to extend his range, not to three-point, but kind of that mid-range game that um that Larry Nance has. Mm-hmm. And it's like him just adding that, you know, would have would have helped out significantly. Like we saw last year in the in the um finals, you know, they just disregarded Tristan and unless you're throwing him an alley oop, you know, he doesn't really have and he doesn't have the gravity coming off, you know, screens that um that he um used to have either. So but yeah, that's more talk about the um rotation. Yeah, I love where that conversation said because it really le or really gives us a path to our next conversation and really our first hot topic outside of because we're also going to talk about what everyone wants to hear is that's Kawhi's possibility to the Cavs but before that I really want to get into how this playoffs and how the rotation is really going to pan out because we still have a couple players injured and like we were talking about before the show it's been really odd because you'll see CD Osmond or Chetty playing 25 minutes a night and then you'll see him not starting and playing five and then you'll see Jeff Green going from everyone thinks he's unplayable to the coaching staff giving him 40 minutes. And then it's just all around. Jose Calderon, when people start exploiting him in the playoffs, is his defensive weakness and his really his offensive, like his unathleticism, is that going to start? Is he going to even be in the rotation? Because I think historically, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Lou has always opted to go for an eight-man rotation in the playoffs. That's about right, yeah. And yeah. I think you have to include LeBron, obviously. You have to include George Hill, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Kevin Love, probably J.R. Smith, and then Larry Nance Jr., and then Kyle Korver. So do you guys think there's going to be any role for like players like Jeff Green and Chetty Osman and Tristan Thompson? And in some aspects, even J.R. Smith. Um, I think that um, Jeff Green does have a role, and I think he's going to play probably a pretty significant role, probably more significant than most of Cavs Twitter would like, especially in matchups that would, you know, require you to go small. So I think, you know, he's going to play a lot in, you know, a series against Toronto. He's going to play a lot in a series against Golden State or um, Houston. You know, I don't think he has that big of a role against Boston, but I think this year it's hard to come. It's hard to compare it to previous years where, where like before, you know, in like sixteen and seventeen, you know, you had a top, you had a pretty clearly defined top eight players. This year, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of leeway you can go with, you know, like depending on the matchup, you have the luxury of you know not playing Jr. at all for AM series or not playing Kyle Korver. You know, and you didn't really have that in years past. So I think, you know, series like Boston, you know, Tristan Thompson's going to see a lot of minutes and Jeff Green isn't. But, you know, it's it's really all matchup dependent, I think. And that's odd for the Cavs, especially like the last three, three years where they haven't had the luxury of doing that. I think for me, I know I kind of asked the question, but I think it's really going to be interesting because earlier on in the season, we saw 
Lou would, before they really committed to playing Chetty and starting him, he would give him about seven to 15 minutes per night. And I think you can almost argue that there's more of a role for Chetty at times than Jeff Green. I know Jeff Green's athletic and strong, but sometimes you really, I think I would rather have Chetty Osmond and just his tenacity on both ends of the court. But the fact that Green is bigger and the fact that he's more experienced, it's just, it's hard for me to really depict how the, how Lou's going to do it because it's just been so inconsistent all season because it's like one day I'm thinking I'm writing about Jeff Green getting minutes. And then the next day I feel like I'm writing about him out of the rotation. And I feel like it could be the same with just about every player, including J.R. Smith, because I think J.R. Smith used to be one of the fan favorites, but averaging 8.3 points per game, I believe he's really, he's really dropped off the cliff. And I think he only gets 12 to 18 minutes max in the playoffs, especially if he's not hitting. But I think I also believe that one thing a lot of the fans take for granted is the fact that he can erupt just like the two games in the finals where he almost single-handedly beat Golden State with like six or seven threes a game. Right. So I really do believe that this, it's really just going to be, it's not, it's going to be less of a rotation and it's going to be of more of Lou spreading out the minutes and then just going deep into who's really hitting on that game. And I honestly think for Lou and the amount, I mean the immense amount of talent that they have on the team, that it, that's really the best way to do it. Not sure if it'll be how it goes down, but usually coaches tend to just leave the hot hands in during the games. Yeah, well, Lou is, he loves a hot hand more than more than anybody. You see him, you know, get a lineup that starts working in the beginning of the fourth quarter, like a bench lineup with LeBron, and he'll just ride the whole bench lineup. You know, Yeah, until like three minutes left or something. Yeah. Oh, well, remember the game, game three against Indiana last year, the Cavs were down a bunch. Then they had, they brought in like Darren, Darren Williams, Shump, LeBron and Channing Fry, and that, and, and, you know, that, that unit got him back into the game and Lou ended up writing that whole unit all the way throughout, you know, didn't bring Kyrie or Love back in. So. Now the one know. thing I've been thinking about quite a bit is if you're coach Lou, who's guarding Durant? Well, let's let's hold on a second because we don't even know if they're gonna get out of the West okay. right now. Okay, if Golden State gets out of the West and it's a fourth repeat, who guards Durant? You just have to answer with one player. Jeff Green. You got to put LeBron on him. I don't. I know LeBron doesn't want to, but you have to. And that's kind of why I think Jeff Green's valuable because he's bigger and stronger, and because you're almost guaranteed to not put LeBron on him. And I agree LeBron. with that. I think I think the main reason we got. Jeff Green in the offseason was we saw a potential for him to be guarding Jeff Green come finals, finals time, which is why I like the idea of having Jeff Green. But because of how poorly he's been playing offensively lately, I'm just not sure if he's that playable. And I know no matter what, Tyron Lue is going to play him. I just worry about him offensively because, like, we all know Kevin Durant's going to get his own. He's going to get at least 20 points no matter what. You're not going to be able to stop him. It's like trying to stop LeBron from getting 20 points. You just can't. The The main issue is can you stop him from getting 30 and still contribute at least 10 to 15 points a game? I mean, kind of offset did, it. The Cavs did win a title with Tristan Thompson playing 40 minutes a game on the offensive end, and, you know, he's not really – 
an offensive, you know, a good offensive player, as we previously discussed. So, I mean, if you have, like, you can't play two bigs against Golden State. So if you're going to play Jeff Green with love, like, you're not giving up a whole ton on the on the offensive end than if you were starting, like, Nance or Tristan Thompson. So, like, I think, I think you can kind of get away with it. You know, we saw last year LeBron, two things from the finals last year. One, LeBron was really good in the first half of every game and then just fell off in the second half because he got because he looked gassed. And the second thing is we saw that LeBron isn't the, you know, shut down defender that he was before. I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, torched him five straight games. So, you know, no matter no matter what, they're they're not gonna go with LeBron on 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 Durant, maybe, you know, in fourth quarters, but not throughout most of the game. So Yeah, think- and yeah, you're definitely right in how that how I how I think everyone would think that that's going to play out. Yeah. All right. So we kind of are trying to really pan out or not like display how the next few weeks are going to go. And we'll probably have a much more detailed part next week because it's going to be, that's going to be what three or four days right before the postseason starts. So we're really going to start cracking down on it more in detail, but I think with the news of Kawhi Leonard, we just kind of have to go into that. Like, I just want to talk about that this, this week. And I think we all think that it could be a possibility. I think uh, Winhorst and Zach Lau kind of, I think they've talked about it and tweeted about it. So do you, do you guys see any Kawhi Leonard to the Cavs rumors sparking up this offseason? Uh, I do. I mean, the Cavs, you know, at, they can't offer him the best package, but they may be able to offer him the best package available. You know, I've seen, I've, I've seen a lot of things about, you know, the Lakers and Celtics are the two teams that can, you know, offer, offer the most for, for Kawhi. And, and that, and that may be true, but the thing is with these trades, you really never know what another team wants, you know, like do the, and especially because the Spurs, because they're not really the uh, the blockbuster type of trading team, right? Like, I mean, there's been reports that they that the um, Celtics aren't going to trade Brown or um, Tatum, which I think is foolish. But you know, do the but like you can't tell do the Spurs value Brown and Tatum like the Celtics do? You know, do they do they value you know Lakers players like Randall, Kuzma, or Ball? like the Lakers do. So it's just tough. It's like trading. It's like giving somebody a gift. Like you never really know what the other person wants and giving them a draft pick is like giving them a gift card. You know, like when you have a draft pick or a gift card, you can just get whatever you want, you know, and the Cavs have the ability to give the best gift card, you know, like besides the Suns, really, there's no other team in the, in the, in, you know, that top 10 range that really should make a move for, for Kawhi. And so, you know, I mean, like the Lakers don't have a top pick in this year's draft. The Celtics don't have a top pick in this year's draft. So, you know, I think the Suns are a team that could make a move if they um, really wanted to, you know, the Suns are always trying to kind of hit a home run. I thought that the Suns were a team that could make a move for Kyrie, but they didn't. But I mean, if the if the Suns wanted to give up Jackson and you know a pick, 
or Jackson and Warren, like, you know, there's a possibility Kawhi could end up playing on the Suns and you'd, and you'd have a pretty good team next to Booker. But, I mean, I really just don't see a path. So, so secondly, because I see you really going into, like, who else would want to trade for them. What would the Cavs have to give up besides this pick? And if you're Cleveland, at what pick do you say, nah, we, we're not going to trade it if it's three or four because we could get Porter or Bagley with that? I, th- I think, I, I don't think, and I, I saw there's an article on our website, if you guys want to go check it out, uh, by Quentin Alberti about potential trade ideas for Kawhi. Uh, looking at all those ideas, I don't think the Cavs have enough to give for Kawhi. If you look at what the Rockets traded to get CP3, CP3 is on the decline, I guess, if you, you can say that. He's still incredible. He's still one of the best point guards in the league, undoubtedly. But how much they gave for Chris Paul is almost what you'd expect the Spurs to ask for Kawhi Leonard. So I, I just don't see us being able to get Kawhi Leonard because of how much they'll be asking for it. Like the, a first-round pick... And Tristan Thompson, which was something that Quentin had suggested, would not get you Kawhi Leonard in my mind. No, no. A first-round pick, but, Tristan Thompson, and Jordan Clarkson would not get you Kawhi Leonard in my mind. But a first-round pick, Jordan Clarkson, and Chetty Osman might Leonard, get you yeah. a first-round pick. And that, yeah, they're, they, they have the pieces. I just not, I'm not sure it's worth – it's kind of like the whole – if Houston loses, is it was it really worth giving up players like Harrell and Decker and Beverly and the pick and it's you really have to balance it out. And that's that's kind of where I was going with it. Like, if the price was let's say the Brooklyn pick, Clarkson, Hill, and Nance, I don't know if I if I'm Cleveland if I would actually want to do that. Why would you want it? You have two young players that you're going to give up, along with George Hill, who's a smart cerebral and still athletic, long point guard, and then a potential superstar in the Brooklyn pick. I don't know if I'd give that up. I would. I'd give it up in a second. I mean, you get you get a guy who, before this, you know, before everything happened this year, people were talking about, you know, this being the year that Kawhi overtakes LeBron for best player in the league. And while, you know, I'm a big fan of LeBron, obviously, but in that's a little far-fetched, but it wasn't like, you know, totally crazy to actually think that. So, I mean, if you, if you had a core of LeBron, Love, and Kawhi, I mean, you have a great offensive team and you have the makings of a good defensive team. Like, you're not going to beat the Warriors unless you, you know, if the Warriors are fully healthy, you're not going to beat the Warriors with Kevin Love and LeBron and a bunch of really good role players. You're going to beat them with top-end talent. And if you can get top-end talent like Kawhi Leonard, then I think you're in a better position to face those teams like Houston and um, Golden State. So, I mean, I'd give up. I'd give up basically anything. Well, tell me this. Then how is it that Houston is able to beat Golden State and they only have technically two star players? I mean, they haven't beaten Golden State in the playoffs. I mean... Like, teams like, like Golden State, like, you can't judge them off of what they're doing in the regular season. It's like trying to judge the 2016-17 Cavs off of last year's regular season. It's like, like, that team's been to the finals four straight times. You know, Houston plays that game like it's a playoff game, and Golden State plays that game like it's another game in 
December and they're just waiting to get to April and March, man, on May. So, I mean, if if the Warriors are fully healthy and the Rockets are fully healthy and they play in a playoff series and Houston wins, then I'd kind of entertain that point. But I just I just don't see that happening. You know, top end talent is what wins you those playoff games, especially in today's NBA. And if you if you can get one of those top end guys, I think you move anything and everything for him. I see where you're going with it. I, I'm just not sure if it's worth giving up four assets for that one player. I mean, especially I, Kawhi's great, and I would say he's top three, definitely maybe top two player in the league when he's healthy. The other issue I have with Kawhi is he does have an injury history, a big one. He has missed a long time, and he's missing this whole season. He's just, I'm not sure. Like the Like right now, the Celtics were really happy they got Kyrie. But now he's out for the first round of the playoffs. And I know he's their future, and there's potential that he stays and, and he leads them to another finals run. But you, you I'm going with this. I get what you're saying, and I think uh, as fans of the Cavs, we're kind of spoiled because we have LeBron, and the most he's ever missed was two weeks. And he didn't really even need to miss two weeks. He just missed two weeks so he could hang out in his house in Miami in 2014. <laughs> so... Like, I mean, if you look at all the big players, they've all missed significant time. You know, Steph, he missed significant time before he got, you know, before he became MVP, you know. Um, Kevin Durant missed missed a season before, or most of a season before. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook's missed time. You know, you can just go through the list, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, Kyrie Irving. So it's like Kevin Love even. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I get what you're saying, and you don't want to get like a guy like IT who's lit, who you know has like, you know, is never going to come back from an injury. But unless you know you think that this is a career-altering injury for for Kawhi, then I think you make the trade. You know, well, I mean, I agree with you. And you mentioned Steph. Well, Steph's been having these problems when he got his ankle surgery four or five years ago. It was supposed to negate any problems that he would ever have. And look at him now. Three ankle injuries in the same season and now a knee injury. So th- there's that. And there's th- that's the whole reason that Steph was on that team-friendly deal for a long time. And then he proved that he was going to be healthy. And he got that massive deal. And now he's hurt and out for the first round. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. But as long as you don't get somebody who's, you know, has had serious injury issues like Derrick Rose or... Isaiah Thomas, I think you got to make the deal because it's, you know, basketball, you know, you don't really have that long of a shelf life in basketball. And while you have a player like LeBron, you know, you've got to put the best known pieces around him. So, you know, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, when, when healthy is one of the best players in the NBA. Absolutely. And and it's like, while, while LeBron is still in his prime, like I've been saying like, oh yeah, well, LeBron's only going to be in his prime for like three more years. That was back in like 2012. So I mean, we don't we don't know when LeBron's prime's going to end, but while it's still going on, you gotta you gotta surround him with the best possible players, and you know, I give up every, everything for um, Kawhi. Even if, you have even to if, think, you have to think that a Kawhi and LeBron James led Cavaliers would almost single handedly be able to take even mediocre three other mediocre shooters to a finals easily and be able to compete unlike they really did last year. Oh, for sure. I mean, 
like the Cavs, two of the most productive players the Cavs got this year were, you know, Jeff Green on part of the mid-level exception and, you know, um, Jose, Jose Calderon on the, on the vet men. And it's, you know, it's kind of like you put, you have LeBron and, and, and Kevin Love and you put three other guys, you know, three other NBA quality players on the team you're going to have a great offense just because of LeBron and Love. So just imagine adding, adding Kawhi, like, you know, you add, you add, you have, you have those three and just any point guard who can, you know, kind of stay in front of defenders and, you know, not get, not get, not get in the way of the other three, you're going to have a great team. So I, you know, you'd like to keep, you know, the depth that you have, but you trade depth for, you know, and I do agree with that for sure. Uh, I think if you put Kawhi on the team instead of Kyrie last year, like if you were to trade their spots right there, I think we're we're winning that finals last year. Oh, because for sure. on top of Ka- Kawhi being a great offensive player, he's ten times the defensive player that Kyrie will ever be. Yeah, I mean he's the best defensive player in the league, for my money. Absolutely. So. All right, so I also so I think we have a lot of split th- split things. I think it all comes down to the package for me, and I think that's kind of where we're gonna leave it for now. We're gonna leave it before we get too much. We're gonna have to see the rumors play out, and maybe we'll have you back on if uh if the rumors pick back up in the off season to discuss it a bit more. For sure. But for now, we're gonna head into uh. So we do a little game segment. I feel like the reader or the listeners probably enjoy it. It's uh couple questions you tell me obviously if it's fact you think it's true if it's fiction you think it's false kind of okay. kind of obvious but some of these questions are kind of kind of tricky i wish jared was here so i could beat his ass again yeah jared jared's not very good jared's 16 and 15 and kyle's 23 and 10 Ooh. all right so it's, it's been a rough go for for jared hopefully he'll listen to this and get mad like he usually does all right question number one this has been the only five-game spurt of the season that Cleveland has not given up over 110 points. So they've held their last five opponents to under 110 points, and that's the only time they've done that for five straight games. I'm going fiction. I'm going to go fiction as well. It's fiction. I, th- I kind of thought that one was easy because most people remember that 13-game win streak, and you would just assume that one of those games or five straight of those games were under – and I believe that's when it was too. So it wasn't that one wasn't crazy. Yeah. I wrote some great articles about how the Cavs defense was fixed because of Cavalier lifer Dwayne Wade. That didn't really <laughs> that um didn't really hold hold the test of time. But yeah. Okay, round two. The Cavs have the best offensive rating over their last ten games. Like the best in the Fic- league. Yes, sir. Fiction. Fiction. Fact. Wow. I looked yeah. at our, uh, I only, uh, I actually knew that one off the top of my head because our, our, my arc of last night was, uh, when the Cavs are really clicking. Like I talked about how they're clicking at the right time, winning nine in the last 10. And that was one of the facts I used is that their offense is really coming around. And it's at like, I believe it's like 114 net rating or something. Kevin Love and I'm Jose Calderon, unstoppable pair. <laughs> Dynamic duo. Really? All right. So we got uh, the Cavs gave up six free throw attempts to the Pelicans two games, two, three games ago. That was their lowest amount given up to their opponent all season. Fact. That's got to be a fact. That is a fact. The second 
lowest was, I believe, eight, and that was just sometime mid-season. Yeah, six is six is low, especially with Larry Nance on your team. <laughs> yeah. If LeBron James played in 80-plus games, it'd be the first time in his career. 80-plus? Yep. I feel like he's played 80 before. So, I'll say fiction. fiction. I... Fact. It is fiction. He played in 81, just missing the last game a couple years ago. What year was that? Do you know? Um, 08, 09. Okay. His second to last um, year in Cleveland during the first time. And he actually played 80 his sophomore season. Okay. I knew so he had twice. it recently, but yeah. That, All right. that 09 team was probably the best Cavs team besides, you know, these last couple of years. That was a good team. So four games left. All four games are within this next week. And to end it, we used to call it the 21 Shump Street Picks of the Week. Oh, but face. sad face, Shump left. I kind of still like Shump, so let's keep his uh, thoughts thoughts and prayers with our podcast. <laughs> but we, we have to power through this, guys. I don't know All right. Do it. Washington at home, Philadelphia away. That's a back-to-back. And then away at New York, New York Knicks, yes. And then home at New York. Man, I think I'm going four straight wins. Yeah, again. I'm going to do the you exact that, same you thing. You did that last week and it worked. <laughs> I'm doing it. One. I'm doing it too. Four wins. I'm going to um hedge mine and say three. I think they dropped the first one to New York. So they're going to they're going to they're going to beat Washington and Philadelphia back to back and then we're going to think it's, you know, we're going to think they're going to go into the playoffs on a roll but they're just going to drop one to New York for for no reason. And uh given how this season's gone, that's probably the most Cavs thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, last year they blew a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter to the Hawks on the last week of the regular season, so anything's possible with this team in April before the playoffs. All right, well, uh, I think that's all we got for you listeners this week. That was a really good show. We really enjoyed bringing Jackson on, and uh, hopefully you uh, peek at our website, check out his articles. He does a lot of the lessons, not after every game, but the majority and they're, uh, they're really good. So uh, thank you for coming on. And you have any last words for our uh, listeners? Uh, no. Uh, go Cavs. All right. You heard it here first. Cavs going to win it in five this year. <laughs>